times that we live in Maybe it's just winter Things are looking dark in Akron The world's unstable and the kids ain't learning math Pluto's not a planet There are no more velociraptors Two ladies stand against the rising tide of bullshit A sharp of tongue and looking fancy, yo Tell me what I need to know Monday sucks and Tuesday sucks and Thursday sucks and Friday sucks and Saturday and Sunday are expensive. Wednesday started out like all the others. Now it's looking somewhat brighter. Hey, winos, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Wines Day podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jess. And we're here today with our dear friend, George, a.k.a. Jorge, a.k.a. His Excellency. <laughs> Hello, all my buddies. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so we'll get into talking to him in a second, but we have been trying to drink this wine for a while, so we want to dive in. We've been trying in. to drink this wine for a day. Yeah, there's <laughs> been some issues. So today's Wines Day is brought to you, obviously picked by our amazing sommelier, Matthew Forrest, and we have a South Africa theme, so two wines from South Africa. That is a country inside the continent of Africa, for those of you who may not be familiar with a map. (laughs) Right. Uh, Our psalm points out that it's renowned for its diverse, exceedingly ancient soils and its egregious history of exploited labor and atrocious human rights. Ah, that comes right from the travel brochure. Yes. It's like apartheid in a glass. Furthermore, (laughs) both of these wines are Graham Beck wines. I think that's the winery. Uh, And they're distributed by Purple Feet, which is uh, the... Purple Feet, like, distributors. Isn't that a great name? That is nice. Sounds like a penguin, I think. Doesn't it sound like a penguin would have purple feet? Yeah. Anyways, our friend who does listen, Ken, shout out to uh, Ken Evans for uh, the Purple Feet wines that we got today. First one, the white. This is the Graham Beck, the Game Reserve, Chenin Blanc, 2012. It's a 1699 bottle. It's from the coastal region in South Africa. Chenin Blanc apparently is considered the main white grape of South Africa. Um... Originally known as Steen. I don't even know why they would call it that, but whatever. But the grape itself originally comes from the Loire Valley in France. So South Africa via France. Pretty great. Um, Notable aromatic descriptor would be wet wool. (laughs) Like a wet dog smell. I don't know about that. I think I get that one. You get that a little bit? I mean, it's definitely not like overwhelmingly fruity like some of the wines we've had in in the past. Um, some a little bit of a smoky or flinty, almost like a cap gun smell. That's what that's what the psalm says. Very small percentage of oak is used. Again, we've gone on and on about this. We don't particularly like very oaky wines, so that's what we got here. A little bit less oaky. Let's just taste. It's very like tart. Yeah, in a in a good way, in a refreshing end of the summer wine way. And the pairings we have for this would be pan-seared freshwater or fatty ocean fish. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sushi. White people-style chicken. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a plain, I guess. Pasta with cream sauce. Again, white people food. That's, that's what Matt says. That's obviously the yeah. official industry term. <laughs> All of my favorite things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And again, goes with some cheeses and, and the good ones. Brie, Gruyere, hell yeah. Delicious. Delicious. It is good. Just as delicious as it was yesterday mm-hmm. when we failed to record. Yeah. we fail, Failure to launch. <laughs> we won't speak of that. 
All right. So we're here with George, and Jorge has been a good friend of ours and an avid fan of the podcast for, well, the whole time of the podcast. Yes. I think the friendship goes... Uh, probably a little over five years at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a long time to keep a friend in your 20s and early 30s. Yes. It is. It is. And I think he's in for the long haul now. Yeah, I'm pretty pot committed at this point. Yeah, he's, he's got lifetime membership. Yeah. Right. <laughs> way, way too much of an investment to be around right. now. And as with uh, a lot of our guests, he's uh, staunchly liberal, feminist. Don't take no shit from no one. Goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. Where did this His Excellency thing come from? Because I f- don't remember anymore. It didn't come from me. I No, the problem is I think it came from me, and I don't know what my logic was there. I, I think I was some member of the papacy regarding... Oh, I don't know. I, or did we ever call him, like, King Jorge? Or was there a Pope George we were referring to at some point? Well, it did come from Pope Jorge. Not that that was a real person. Just no, something no. that... No, probably not. <laughs> Just started discussing. I feel it was as though it was related to a Super Bowl party. Perhaps. I feel like the problem is as much of our friendship is lost to a brownout. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like between the three of us, we remember about 30% of our time together. The rest of it's in the deep weeds. Yeah. 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 We're each in charge of 10% and and we just, there's not enough. We We can't cover it all. It's too hard. This is why we need that drunk stenographer we're always talking about. Absolutely. I 100% do. <laughs> we what, whatever the origin of His Excellency, I've never once complained. That's a good yeah, name. I do, love, yeah. I do love it. I do think it probably was a Super Bowl party because I'm pretty sure in the five years that we've known you, we've watched almost all Super Bowls and had all New Year's's together. That's been like a, a thing we do. Pretty much, yeah. 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 Because we're like young, awesome folk with no kids, so we can party when we want. (laughs) Well, also, that's sort of like, there's sort of, I feel like we have like two major drinking seasons of the year. Like we kind of have the holidays through the February birthdays because everybody's got birthdays in January and February. And then it starts with like my birthday in May and then goes through all the summer and like all through the September birthdays. Yeah. So, so really, it, we don't take a lot of time off. Yeah. We, we have a month and a half window right. coming up here soon yeah. to recharge. Yeah, where everybody's, everybody's going to do like a detox and like apologize to their liver. <laughs> and then we're born anew in the spring yeah. after it, February. It's those six weeks we all actually like focus on our jobs and whatever other enrichment we do in our life. And then it's like, sorry, I got to check out. Got a lot of appointments, things to right. take care of. Right. No, we have a lot to do in the off season. Mm-hmm. A lot of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What do you want to jump into on the agenda? How about we do our wine law update? Yeah, go for it. Do, 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 wine law. Nice. I am <laughs> updating us on the tragic story of the Pennsylvania wine um, that we talked about last it episode. It has been keeping me up at night. Like, I'm very distraught. Yes. Quick refresher. Somebody got in trouble for, have, for trying to sell wine privately just to friends. Turns out one of them was an undercover cop, and the... State of Pennsylvania, the county where he lived, Chester County, get in the streets, Chester County, uh, took all of his wine bottles, allowed him to keep something like a hundred of them, a thousand of them, and now there's another thousand of them, 1,400 of them, being held by the police in Chester County, and they intend to destroy them. So then a hospital came in, they want to 
the hospital says, hey, we're from Chester County. We're a nonprofit hospital. We're funded by the county. How about instead of dumping out the precious wine, you let us auction it off? And so here's the update this week. We've been, I've been watching this story closely. Chester County has actually had a prosecutor argue against giving the wine to the hospital. Why? Because they're like looking at the statute. Apparently, these, these are old prohibition era laws. And they do say that once the wine is confiscated or whatever alcohol it is, it can be given to a hospital. The argument, this fucking asshole's argument, is that, well, it was meant because back in the 20s, hospitals would use alcohol to anesthetize patients and sterilize wounds. But since this hospital is going to be auctioning it off, that's not the intent of giving it to a hospital. So So Chester County is currently paying a prosecutor to argue against providing a resource that their own county paid for hospital could sell and then like make money from it's a hundred thousand dollars worth of wine and put it to better use than getting people drunk before you did medical procedures upon them right as, right. as the law would state yeah right i just i can't believe it so there's a bottle of wine and a belt for tr- between your teeth <laughs> medical advancement is actually working against them at this point yeah, yeah and like it just it's such a waste of resources just Wherever they are going to be dumping it out, if that's what the judge lets them do, I would like to be there. Like, can I be laying down underneath? Yeah, (laughs) like, yeah, exactly. Which drain are we using? Like, where is this going to flow exactly? You've got a scuba tank. You're just in the overflow pond, just getting ready for it. Yeah, Yeah. it's time. So there's still no resolution. They're they're actually fighting over it. I don't understand why it's not an easy decision. I will keep track of this story, and I hope that next week. The judge has ruled that the 1,400 bottles of wine do not get dumped in the freaking drain. I just don't understand why. I mean, I understand that, like, the laws are are different for wine as opposed to anything else. But, I mean, you can literally just sell somebody a gun without the government getting involved. Like, you can sell a car. You can sell, I mean, like, granted, there's paperwork on that, at least, I guess, with a car. But, like, still, I can sell you, like, all the shit that we sell on Craigslist and, like, we have... This issue over wine and like for probably what? sell you fireworks and those sound pretty damn dangerous, right? And also, I don't feel like wine, like especially like a fine wine, like how controlled of a substance is that? Yeah, like I feel like the control is that it's expensive. Right? You know I mean? yeah. yeah, you have to be rich to get it, <laughs> right? Like, like, and you're not gonna just go crazy. And I'm wondering what the logistics are if they do decide to dump it out, opening 1,400 bottles of wine and dumping it out. That's going to take days, right? They're probably going to just smash them or some shit. Let's see. That's just like even worse. It just, mm-hmm. oh. Without not even giving it the dignity of like a, a good pour. Right. Like aerated a little bit. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so sad. And it's just these stupid prohibition laws. Like update your laws. Every state in the union, for Christ's sakes. Ugh. It's a real tragedy. <laughs> I know. We are a closeted puritanical country. I mean... We I don't are. think we're getting past that anytime soon. It's weird, though, it though considering what an alcoholic country we are, that are, we have these laws. Like, it's it's our nature warring with itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like that, almost like a Catholic guilt thing where, you know, we know we're not supposed to do it, so we have all these rules to control it and everything, but everyone just breaks those rules all the time. I mean, for example, we have parking lots at bars. Why? Right. Why do we do that? I've right. used those parking lots there many times. There should be just a shuttle system of right. stuff guide. Yeah. <laughs> should be a free taxi to the bar. Right. Um, I have a little 
item for the agenda. We briefly touched on it yesterday. Oh, yeah. It's been all over the interwebs. I feel like we've been trying to have a lot of conversations. We've been hanging out all weekend, the three of us and we have and other people. And we just can't because we're trying to save it. Right. Well, luckily, that play that we saw gave us a lot of material, I feel like, (laughs) to fill in the time. (laughs) We went and saw a play for our friend May's birthday. (laughs) And let's just say that there were some strong incest and murder. Not even themes. Like, that was... Just kind of overtly what just was going on. Plot devices, yeah. yeah. Action points. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was just a, it was a great experience. Yeah, I yeah. felt emotionally raped after seeing that. I mean, it, there was a lot of things thrown at you that you're like, why is this still happening? Mm-hmm. You, you sit there and you see the two siblings sitting on the couch together. And then you just start saying to yourself, no, no, please don't. Don't do no, it. Don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do no, 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 no. No, that's a bad idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> right. Uh, you did that. It's like, right. And it was, you're going with this. And it was like a small theater experience and there was no intermission and there was no, so you're like, we were very much like trapped. Like even at the point yes. that we're all like giving each other the side eye, just sort of like, what is going on? Please let this be over. Please can we, and you, but you can't. Like, There's no escape. You're stuck. Yeah. Unless you want to like walk directly through the siblings fighting over who's the slutter, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, it was rough. So yeah. So what we touched on briefly yesterday is what you ah uh, yes, yeah, sorry. That's how we do it. Um. Anyways, so apparently, actually, I thought this happened recently, but as I looked it up this morning, it actually happened back in two thousand and three. But the Weather Channel just now like basically played for video of it dozen year anniversary or something yeah yeah i guess (laughs) but it's this amazing video going around where um a warehouse like a jim beam warehouse got struck by lightning and released eight hundred thousand gallons of jim beam into this sort of like pond like like See, it's an overflow just, retention. Yeah, you see, it's just the theme of just alcohol running in the streets, right? <laughs> and then, but then there was lightning, so it caused the Jim Beam to catch on fire, <laughs> which then sparked a fire NATO where the it created a tornado of fire that went like a hundred feet in the air Damn. and burned down like much of the woods around it. Did anybody die? That would be like the no. worst way to go. No, but it did like pollute a lot of the local area and then also like it killed like a bunch of fish because fish can't be on fire it turns out (laughs) (laughs) yeah it costs like what thirty thousand dollars to clean it up or something yeah which i actually thought was surprising considering how much i mean this is in kentucky so there's probably a fair amount of bourbon just in the natural soil anyways (laughs) everyone has a low level of it just in their bloodstream right like the fish were all probably already drunk (laughs) so they can't be on fire and they cannot apparently breathe Jim Beam. <laughs> yeah, no, they can't. So you shouldn't, you can't feed fish fire, it turns out. Why does God hate the Jim Beam factory? I don't know. Although I, I was watching it and I was like, and this is why I don't drink bourbon because this looks very much like the last time I drank bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that it happened to a Jim Beam warehouse and not like uh, Basil Hayden's distillery or mm-hmm. anything like that. Yeah. If you're and Jim Beam is like huge. No one's going to cry too much over the loss of Jim Beam. And it's ubiquitous. There's so much of it. <laughs> But it was impressive. It was. It made me think of St. Elmo's fire. And then I was just thinking of Robert Downey Jr. being drunk while a fire... Well, yeah, excuse me. While a fire NATO was going on. Mm. See, in the fire NATO, they could have... I feel like they could have been the original fireball. Like, they could have jumped on that early. Oh, yeah. And they would have had, like, cred. Right. It would have been like, <laughs> our shit's yeah. literally been on fire before. 
Well, now don't they have the cinnamon Jim Beam now that uh, Fireball became so popular? I think so. I haven't had it, though. I don't know if it's... I haven't had it either, but the first thing I thought of was just like Red Hot's marinating in some Jim Beam. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's probably how you make it. Maybe this was their inspiration. Right. Cinnamon Red Hot's. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, We had a a talk yesterday that was just about... um, kids being assholes a little bit. I think we brought that up a bit amongst mm-hmm. ourselves. Usually. Kids are assholes. Most people are assholes also. But there's like a higher percentage in the children. Yeah. So there's a story out of Texas. Um, it's a sports story, but I just, it was so appalling that I have to bring it up. John Jay High School. Oh, apparently in Texas, high school football is like a religion. It's church, yeah. Yeah. Everyone goes and their schools are really big down there. So when two schools play each other, there's literally thousands of people there. So there was a some kids from John Jay High School were super upset and they literally tackled a ref for no reason. They <laughs> didn't even try and hide it. It's like the ref was standing several yards away from the play, just watching the play. I watched the video. One of the kids just bowls up behind him and knocks him over and then another one slams into him head first. They were ejected from the game, obviously. Right. But it took a good 48 hours before they were officially suspended from school. Because everybody was like, oh, I can kind of see it. They, they <laughs> had a point. <laughs> well, they, apparently they hit him because he made a poor call earlier in the game that I believe contributed to them losing. So I'm sure it took the school a minute to decide whether or not they were more upset about losing the football game than the kids actually targeting the official. This incredible right. sportsmanship that we're displaying here. It's like, right. Jesus. Well, and that's the point. Like, I feel like the number one cause of asshole children is asshole parents. Mm-hmm. And just asshole leadership. And mm. especially for a sport that's already super violent, it's already got all these uh, negatives against it. Just, just if you play it regularly, you're going to destroy your brain. But then you've got, you know... People who have fighting dogs and they get suspended from the NFL and then they get to come back. And you've got at least the guy who beat his fiance isn't allowed to play anymore. Um, but oh, he is. Just no one's willing to sign him. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess that's true. They didn't... So you get people who cheat. You get people who beat their wives. You get people who um, have fighting dogs and gambling rings and shit. And you let them play. And then these two kids, of course, they bowl the ref over. They're like, this right. is how we do it. This is how we solve our problems. No, this is the shit that makes me so mad is... So I lived in Pittsburgh for a few years, and so I have a ton of friends on Facebook from Pittsburgh, and everyone is going nuts about uh, Michael Vick being signed by the Steelers, Mm. and like lifelong fans are like burning their jerseys and being like, I will never, and you know, whatever. And and yet Ben Roethlisberger, granted he's never been convicted, but like where there is smoke, there is rape. I'm pretty like... (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he put his fingers in a girl's butt. Like, I think that was part of the accusation. Yeah. As I mean, someone who shared rape. a university campus with Mr. Roethlisberger for several years, again, not convicted, but strongly suspected. Yeah, and yet, but but in, I mean, basically, like it just drives me insane because it. I feel like the message we're sending. Granted, what Michael Vick did was really horrific, and I'm not trying to downplay that. But at the same time, like, do we really value? the like the lives and safety of dogs over women and the answer is a resounding yes yeah absolutely (laughs) we absolutely do i mean they're both bitches so (laughs) i mean half the people more than half the people i think who are having an issue with him joining the steelers are women and yet they 
will cheer for Roethlisberger. I don't know. This we, shit. I we can't. call him in this house Rapist Burger. I'm yeah. sure we're not alone. <laughs> sure you're not alone. Old gray dick. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that story. Apparently someone who alleged sexual assault uh, described his genitalia in a very unique way. Apparently it has an interesting coloration to it. Whoa. Interesting. I wonder what Whoa. causes that. I wonder if that's just... Stuck it in the wrong place a few too many times. Oh, it's either rape or football. Those that's what he does. So <laughs> one of those two things cause it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So fuck those kids. And I hope you get ex- you should be expelled from football forever. It's bullshit. Yeah. Whenever uh, because because I'm also a Miami Redhawk. My parents were initially interested to see how Ben would do in the NFL, mm-hmm. just as pride in the alma mater. And then I had to relay to them the certain issues that were coming up in his life so that they could step back a little bit and get a little bit of a perspective on that. They were not pleased. Totally. I hope not. <laughs> I hope your parents were like, yeah. that's fine with me, though. <laughs> right. Don't touch it. If you keep it, don't touch it. Don't touch um, it. Speaking of rape. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It's <laughs> always a good segue. No. Yeah. Well, you know, we, like you said, where there's smoke, there's rape. Um, this is, this is great because I didn't even remember who Damon Waynes was when I read the story, but, um, Damon Waynes apparently spoke out this motherfucker in defense of Bill Cosby. (laughs) I'm sure he and the cause are good friends and that's why he's defending him or whatever. I wish I had been a fan of him before so that I could like make a big show of stopping. No, I totally (laughs) forgot who he was. So he, yeah, he supported Bill Cosby and then referred to the victims as unrapeable. Mm Mm-hmm. And so thank God Damon Waynes isn't relevant. I mean, Jesus. Right. So when, like, you to, when you have to start making up words to try to defend somebody, that right. you know it's going to be hard to make that case. All yeah. like three people in America who still have a DVD of white chicks are going to have to throw it away. Wasn't that, him? Wasn't that a Wayans brother thing? Probably. And then mm. there was like the major pain. Yeah, major pain. That's where I remember him. Oh. And in living color. I think he's in White Chicks. One of the Wayans. I'm sure a Wayans. I think it's is the in- younger Wayans brothers that are in Yeah, there, I thought they did White Chicks. Like Marlon and But okay. else. So One then here we have again, Bill Cosby hasn't been convicted. A lot of reasons would be because the statute of limitations is up. But over 40 women have come forward with their stories. What the fuck is wrong with Damon Wayans that he's like, but he probably didn't do it. I wouldn't rape those girls. They're not hot. Like, what is he talking about? Now, that shit makes me so fucking angry. First of all, not that it's even fucking relevant, but a lot of this shit happened in like the 80s. And what he's really saying is that those chicks are old. A lot of them were (laughs) actresses and models in the 80s. And so I guarantee you, like, if that's his. Apparently, he likes to, you know, if a girl's pretty enough, she's. In play for rape? Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's on your rape list or something? Right. But then also just the idea, I mean, I hope that I don't have to explain to people that, like, rape isn't about, like... Hotness. Hotness. Yeah. It's about domination. It's about, like, it's about a lot of other yeah. things. And this idea that, like, ugly people can't get raped is... Not to mention, most of those women aren't ugly. I mean, they're like, really objectively, not. they're... Decent looking lady. This is my genuine issue just with our culture in general is I feel like we have all of these like sitcoms and shit where there's like the dumpy funny husband and then the like 
Super hot wife? Super, super hot wife. You can just say the king of queens. Yeah. Go ahead and say <laughs> Absolutely. It. Well, no, and what's the one with Sophia Vergara, whatever her name is? For- Modern Family. Yeah, like... With her and uh, Ed O'Neill. Right, and it's just like, stop. Like, yeah. stop it. But anyways, I think that we like end up living in this culture where every dude feels like weirdly entitled. Not every dude, you know, sorry, George. But, you know, <laughs> dudes in general feel like entitled to like like a hot chick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like every single one. And like, then there's a side. And so girls go around and they say things like, oh, some people are unrapeables. Or blah, 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 blah. It's just like, I don't know any woman who has trouble getting dick. Me either. Not one. And so like, there's a lot of talk. There's a <laughs> lot of talk about who they'd fuck and who they wouldn't fuck. And my experience is, is that like, if a man will talk to you, he will even if he won't like he doesn't even have to like you to bang maybe you. not uh, under maybe not under every circumstance maybe not but come on yeah like just stop <laughs> i just don't understand how we have this like very clear supply and demand problem in this country in terms of like sex like who wants sex and who's willing to have sex between the genders and yet the narrative is that like 90 percent of women are unfuckable because they're not a 10 right yeah that's a lie and i'm just like that's just not the case like <laughs> I already finished my glass of wine. <laughs> Me too. It's all right. I needed a lot of wine to get through those rape stories. <laughs> yeah, we can move on to the red. If you want to. I mean, I, I got the notes here. Mm. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Again, South Africa Graham Beck wine. This is a 2009 bottle. It's 1899. It's from... Mm, Stellenbosch, South Africa, I think that's what it says. And it's a blend. It's 44% Shiraz, which is usually from Australia, and 30% Pinotage, which is a grape we haven't really talked about on the show before. And then there's 26% Cabsov. I assume that adds to 100. I wasn't doing the math. This is what's called in the biz a cape style blend. So it it incorporates the Pinotage as well as some imported, usually French grapes. Um, Pinotage, this is again a grape we haven't talked about. It's a crossing of Pinot Noir and Cinso. And Pinotage was developed in South Africa and occasionally grown outside of that. So Pinotage is a very rare thing. I mean, it really comes from South Africa. If there's Pinotage in a wine, it's from South Africa. And let's see what else I want to tell you about this one. Oh, a lot of times Matt points out that Pinotage gets kind of a, a low, he says low esteem from other wine drinkers. They kind of turn their noses up at it, maybe because it's an indigenous South African thing and they just, it's and not all the worst. Yeah. And it's not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not French and it's not, you know, a, a more, an older version of a grape or something. But Matt said he really liked this wine. I'm, I'm interested to give it a try here. He notes that it's a little bit kind of a, a hazy, but it's very, very deep colored, inky, he describes it, purple ruby. I mean, it mm-hmm. is a very dark yeah. wine. Yeah. And aromatic wise, he calls it very classy. Does it smell classy? It is, it is classy. It smells really nice. Yeah. A little bit of a pencil shavings or graphite smell. Totally. Yeah. Leather, cigar box, 
All the things that a rich man has in his study. I was, you know what? I was thinking tobacco. I feel like I'm getting so much better at this. Yes. This is what I want my apartment to smell like eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Once like, I have all that big Oh, money. you'd get laid just all the time. Yeah. I feel like ladies would walk in and they'd be like, this is a, a gentleman of affluence. Yes. It smell. Yeah. It smells like a rich, a nice rich guy who's like mm-hmm. clean and has things like cigar boxes. And also a little bit of a blackberry, black currant, kind of a dark, darker berry smells. Apparently, black currant is really a marker of Cabernet, um, which there is a little bit in here. So that makes sense. Also, I mean, he goes on to say that you've got pomegranate, roast coffee. There's like a lot of stuff going on in here. Let's just let's just taste. Hmm. Wow. Matt says it's it's a little bit of a um, Bordeaux-like wine. Yeah, it is. Because it's kind of like a smooth, a little bit higher alcohol. And he he calls, here's, here's a language for the biz for you. It's got good QPR. That's quality to price ratio. That's what I like to hear. Yes. I'm, I'm down with the QPR. Oh, it's yeah. a, it tastes kind of like a $30 to $50 Bordeaux, but it's $18.99. I feel as though QPR, that's an advanced stat. Behind which I can get. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And pairing wise, he suggests game, in fact. So red or white meats, but even more exotic, fattier birds. I'm not sure we've ever had a wine on the show that goes with game. Other red meats. That game. Anything that tastes like fire, cigars, or something Ron Swanson would like. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. It goes well with chopping wood, trading stocks in the 1920s. And twisting greased ends of handlebar mustaches, either villainously or heroically. That's villainously. That's Let's be clear, villainously. See, George, this is totally what you should be drinking. This is what I was trying to tell George the other day. George, I won't say his full name, but he has like a very long, exciting, like a very, honestly, very rich white dude sounding name. I'm a you, third. And it ends with a third. Yeah. And this is really, this is, I think this is what you should be drinking yeah, and it's un- it's an unpredictable red because it's South African, but it's kind of a French style. Mm-hmm. This is totally your wine, Jorge. Mm-hmm. I can roll with that. Yeah. White people love taking things from South Africa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's what they were most well known for for the really, longest time. It's really your birthright. So. We're probably all going to hell. <laughs> oh, most certainly. Oh, that's, that's happening. <laughs> No, this is very interesting. As I've mentioned to you before, it wasn't until recently that I decided to try to branch out into wine. You know, I'm a whiskey drinker and craft beer drinker, but um, I've just been buying a bunch, trying a bunch, seeing how it goes. This is on the complex side of anything that I've had so far. Oh, right. You said you didn't. Weren't you saying that you've got like some spreadsheets? George has some spreadsheets. Yeah, that's how my brain works. And like I said, this QPR sounds like an advanced stat that I can get on board with. Yeah, yeah. uh, You need a new column. Yeah. (laughs) Is it all going to fit on one page or are you going to have to do the shrink when you go to print it? Oh, yeah. It'll all be on there. But yeah, I've just (laughs) been tracking uh, vineyards and then whatever the grape is, whatever the label is, and then however I might rate it. So eventually when I start doing some sorting or some filtering, I can see what it is that tends to rise to the top. I feel like we should be taking notes on yeah, this process. Yeah, we should probably be doing that. <laughs> I mean, that is that is very much how my brain works. So yeah, I, I have to put some structure to it. Otherwise, yeah. it all just gets lost in the malaise, and then I don't 
remember anything it is I've been having. Right. And then here's like, so Jorge's a good example of someone who's getting into wine and he's taking it very seriously, whereas we just sort of drink it. But then when you have people who are like our sommelier, Matthew Forrest, he's just a freaking savant about it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a spreadsheet. He does have notes scattered around, but he'll, he just remembers it all. It's insane. See, I just wander around the wine store until I see a label that I recognize from the podcast, and then I just buy that. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's the best way to do it, I think. I found a couple that you have had on the podcast before when I was wandering around Earth Fair. I was like, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. So I just went for it, and usually it turns out, and it's it's a pretty good buy. So. Yeah. Can I also say that I really do love this idea of QPR because I feel like I can apply it to myself. Right. Like I feel like 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 I'm obviously pretty cheap, <laughs> but I feel like you get a lot of bang for your buck. Right. <laughs> right. And you could dress you up real good. Right. Right. <laughs> buy low with me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, QPR. I'm really glad he brought that up because I feel like that's probably how Matt picks a lot of our wines because we try and stick in the under $20 range. Mm -hmm. But he obviously wants the wines to taste awesome, which they usually do. So QPR. Yes. What's your red wine topic? You mentioned you had one. Oh, yes. Should we get in or no? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Um, For the red wine portion, I would like to discuss the red planet. (gasps) Excellent. So we've talked, I mean, it has been a while. So probably maybe a lot of people haven't heard this, but we talked about um, the Mars One project. Hell yeah. So just like a brief overview of that is that there's a Dutch company, I believe. Irrelevant. Whatever. (laughs) They're in Europe. One of the good countries. Somewhere you'd like to live. They have (laughs) some some high quality happiness ratio countries. Yeah, in the north central sort of region. Yeah. Lots of tall people, lots of uh, electropop. Yes. Uh, lots of sweaters, tulips, yep. Van Gogh. Yeah. High standard Perfect. of living. Mm-hmm. Paternity Suspici- leave. Suspiciously high suicide rate, but beside but that Besides point. that. And, and death metal somehow also. Yes. Yeah. In that country. In that region. Um, there is a company that has just, they're called Mars One, and their whole thing is they're going, to, they say that they're going to have like, a manned mission to Mars in the year 2025. And they had all the story has basically been that there's been, you know, they had people apply. They said they had over 200,000 people apply. They've narrowed it down. They're trying to get it down to like a hundred or something like that to send to Mars. And you can see some of their interviews and so forth on the internet. Right. And this is a one way trip. Like, yep. so these people are all interesting in their own weirdo ass ways. Because yep. like, you have to be a very particular kind of person to want to leave the planet forever. Right. Want to die on Mars. Right. So, um, and then there were, there's been talk that it would be a reality show. Can't um, wait. <laughs> yeah. The people that they're sending are um, not necessarily like, in fact, they're not like astronauts or really anyone who's super qualified. It's just kind of whoever. I don't know. They had some people who seem to know math. They, had, they seem to have some like really fit people. Right. Like healthy people. Just get them there. <laughs> So I'm going to say things now. So Jess and I have been very excited about yeah. this idea. Like, this is really great. Um, however. Uh-oh. It's all probably a giant lie. And Damn it. Because, first of all, like, it just, the plot thickens and thickens. So there, first of all, there were not over 200,000 applicants. There what? were, like, just over 2,000. Oh. Um. Then through the application process, basically, like, they won't say how they choose their people. 
but they w- but there are points that seem to be that you can accumulate and those points do seem to determine like the the little documentary they did with like their top 10 people yeah, or whatever I remember that. or the people with the top 10 amount of points so these and the people There's who, a rubric of sorts. Yes. And the way that you get points is that you buy Mars One merchandise. Oh, and you, shit. And you get media for Mars One. Like, those are, like, kind of the two ways <sighs> you can... So this is Amway in space. Yes. Oh, and also, God. if you get interviewed by the press, they basically... They can't make you, but they strongly encourage you to donate at least 75% of any money that you make off of press... To the Mars One project. So this is Ugh. a giant red flag, not just because it sounds scammy, but also because it's going to cost billions of dollars to do this. And if they really need the like, uh, you know, 100 or so people who are still involved at this point to be donating their fucking pennies. Yeah. If they're if if T-shirt sales are like the funding method right now. You've gone wrong. <laughs> like, we use t-shirt sh- sales to fund music festivals, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not missions to another planet. And high school volleyball teams. Right. Right. Yeah, band boosters. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should go door to door with a coupon book. Teenage girls doing car washes. Yeah. Not a lot of t-shirts there. Mm-mm. Less t-shirts, <laughs> the more money you're going to make. Yes. Just... <laughs> so that's literally how they plan to fund this shit? Or ostensibly, that seems... because well, Right. Like, it's hard to tell if they really believe this is going to happen or not. But the whole, like, like the whole, like, like actual astronauts and actual physicists are like, first of all, NASA at this point doesn't really have anything besides just sort of an idea of how they would do this, like how they would go to Mars. But I think NASA's plan would in, presume bringing them home. Yeah. And... This plan is very much not that. But also the vehicles in which the rocket... Uh, like, like to get these there. These things haven't been made. Right. They don't have a contract with any sort of aerospace company. They, they haven't contacted like Lockheed yet or... No, they have no contract with any sort of aerospace company. And yeah. so for them to even... I mean, the amount of like lead time it takes to even build something like this... And I would this assume would be, 10 years. Yeah, at least. And that's for something that we know how to do already you know what I mean like I mean it took 15 years to get to Pluto and all we sent there was a camera well and think about like how long it took us to build the space station that ship breaks fucking constantly yeah like actually one of the interviews I read was from somebody who's been on the space station and was just like listen you can't just send any old fucking yahoo up there because your shit is constantly breaking and you're in space like (laughs) you You cannot phone a friend (laughs) yeah like you have to just fix it like you cannot go to Home Depot four times for one home project. No, and shit, just like your toilet being backed up can be game over for right. you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just stop pissing. Right. That's problem solved. <laughs> Damn. So we're not going to go to Mars. Can they at least just do the reality show? Can I ignore this information and um, at least do the reality show? No. Because apparently they originally did have some sort of a contract with some sort of a production company, which has since fallen through and they have not gotten another one. God damn it. This is ruining everything about Mars. Yeah. I feel as though I saw an interview with one of the people who were moving towards being a finalist on this. She was an attorney or something, but completely unrelated to any field that you would imagine would be helpful. I saw a surfer on one of them. Go to Mars. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was this really saccharine interview of how she was talking to her children. Her children were like, how are you going to leave us to go to Mars and essentially die there and leave us alone? And she's like, well, how can I not do that? And then the kids were like, oh, you're right. We love you so much. We're Bullshit. so proud of you. 
And at that point, it just it felt a little off. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole concept was, is a little far-fetched in the first place, but you'd like to at least think positively about it because it would be a huge endeavor and would be really impressive. But once that type of interview started coming out, I was just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. You know what we could do starting now is just have babies that are born that we just raise to be the race that goes to Mars. So they don't develop, you know, human contacts and relationships. They're (laughs) just raised from the get-go. Like, you're going to go to Mars and it's going to be awesome. And then we've got, like, what, 25 years to get ready to go there. We could start now. Right. Because there's something very fucked up about a woman who would leave her children on Mars on earth to go die on Mars. Well, and that was the thing actually that I thought about when we were originally talking about it is I was like, I don't, what kind of, it made me think about just space exploration in general. Right. And I feel like kind of fundamentally our, the, I guess the personality traits that we would be kind of passing on. I feel like the human race is going to fundamentally change just based off of the gene pool that we would send to another planet because those people Honestly, when I was watching those, I felt like a lot of them were like when I was watching documentaries and stuff about the people who were applying, I felt like I felt like there was a really high level of like narcissistic personality disorder. And I also felt like there was a very high level of like Asperger's. Like I felt like you had to be kind of in one of those two spectrums. Yep. To which I mean, isn't necessarily like a bad thing. Like my dad was a psychiatrist. Um. And I know that like he felt really strongly about working with people with mental illnesses because he felt like, you know, we call it an illness because it's, you know, outside of society. Like it, it doesn't work with our personal, like with our it's cultural a, norms and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a standard deviation or two away. Right. But there's not necessarily something like it's, it's all about perspective, whether or not those particular traits are actually like damaged or wrong right. or whatever. And honestly, like, sending a bunch of people with Asperger's to Mars might actually, like, they might be able to handle it better than a lot of other people, like the isolation and the... They might be more specially equipped for that kind of thing. Right, but it did make me think about, like, how, like, it would almost become, like... I mean, we even talk about, like, in America, like, just the, the kind of, like, kind of manic personality that it takes for somebody to come across the ocean on a wooden ship... And then get off of that ship and then, like, set up camp. Have yeah. A life. yeah. And right. kill all the people who were there when you got there. Right. <laughs> and then build Mine. a log cabin and make some fucking head cheese and, yeah. like, churn some butter. Like, that's a crazy ass person. Yep. <laughs> like, and that's what America is. I feel like that's why we're so goddamn crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. But there are actually a lot of problems that they haven't solved for, also. That people are like, listen, this is just physically impossible. There's a lot of evidence, like they've done experiments with mice where they've exposed them to like the sort of an approximation of the the background radiation that a human would be exposed to in space, which we're able to do. Like to get there, you mean? Like during the nine month travel, what you would be exposed to? Right. And so like astronauts who are like on the space station who are there for a long time, there's actually kind of like like our atmosphere and there's magnetic force fields. There's that sort of thing where you get that sort of is mitigated in, if you're like in a space station sort of situation. Because of science. Yeah. yeah. And then anytime. Yeah. I could explain why, but I can't, <laughs> but the, like, Wait, all the cosmic radiation from the sun is kind of deflected by, we have, there's a thing out there. Yep. Like, yeah. I've seen force field illustrations. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> They're very fancy. Yeah. Um, you know, or we've like, you know, 
we've done a little slingshot around the moon action with people, but they're not out there for that long. But if we're going to send people for a few years in space, like mice basically get demented. Like they all basically end up with Alzheimer's at the end. Great. So like we could send a bunch of people to Mars and then they all get there and have Alzheimer's. Like that would be a fucking mess. All we need them to do is take some pictures, right? They already know they're going to die there. So (laughs) right. Take some pictures and you know, or everything just turns into a Kubrick movie and it's a disaster. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's very disappointing, though, if we're not going to get the Mars, actually get the Mars um, show. I was looking forward to the reality show. No, I was looking forward to the reality show, and honestly, part of it was because I felt like there was a pretty good chance that they were going to get there, and it was all going to go to shit. That, like, something would have happened. You know what yeah. I mean? And I know that's awful, but I've really been <sighs> waiting for that level of reality show, and I'm, I have enough lack of faith in the human race that I believe that I'm going to get that level of reality show (laughs) at some point in my life. Absolutely. (laughs) The revolution will not be televised. Like I'm really excited for just some real life Lord of the Flies shit on another planet. Like that would be (laughs) really ideal for me. Absolutely. Televised on E. Yes. (laughs) Ryan Seacrest production. (laughs) Just like Kanye's baby. (laughs) Yeah. So I had what a uh, topic I wanted to bring up. You know, we're recording right now on Labor Day, end of the summer. Uh, Labor Day is a big hot dog hamburger kind of holiday. Yeah. And I was reading a story about uh, McDonald's in particular, but other fast food restaurants as well. That's a hot dog or hamburger kind of a joint. You're so Not good at the segues, Jess. Yeah. Whatever. Really knocking it out of the park today. I really <laughs> wanted to bring up. Um, so this story was, I, I would, I wish I could say that I was shocked, but I wasn't. It's exactly what I expected it to be. Uh, So Labor Day, fast food workers have a whole thing going on right now. They're trying to increase their minimum wage to a reasonable $15 an hour, and of course they're getting shit upon. Right. So I watched this very interesting um, sort of short documentary and read a lot of statistics about one of the most common injuries in the fast food industry. Makes sense. You're grilling meat and frying fries is burns. Mm-hmm. And apparently the go-to fix, your manager suggests that you treat it with mayo or mustard. That seems incorrect. And go back to work. It's like the disrespect that we have for people who do some of the hardest jobs. You're probably working 16 hours a day at two different fast food jobs. And they interviewed all these people who had been working these jobs for three or four years, who have been burned multiple times by grease and stuff. They're not even given the proper... Uh, equipment just to change like grease traps and stuff there's supposed to be all these gloves and protective materials no they're like you take two wet rags and you pick up this grease trap and you dump it into a bucket of ice and then like that's how you do it so just getting burned their first aid kits are totally empty literally there's a first aid kit on the wall with nothing in it and so they get burned and more than one of them in totally unrelated fast food joints completely unrelated across the country have been told to treat it with mayonnaise or mustard it's so fucked up. How are we treating people like this? No, it's ridiculous. I mean, I think especially on Labor Day, it's good to talk about the fact that just like, I mean, people who are like, oh, they're just flipping burgers and you think that they should make more than like an EMT. And I'm like, that, listen, that's not the argument we're having. Yeah, the EMTs should make more too. Right. The argument we're having is that like, first of all, like people have, I think if we were civilized, a fundamental right to like an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. Right. And to be able to, if you're willing and able to work full time, you should be able to 
at least support yourself to say nothing of, you know, like have family, a family yeah. or whatever, but you should at least be able to support yourself. Can you not even keep up with inflation? I mean, I, I always remember when you talk about your mom worked at McDonald's basically through college. Yeah, no, my mom worked and she made like two something an hour, I think. Yeah. And a credit hour at the University of Akron was like $17 in a credit hour. So granted, my mom did work her ass off because she worked full time at McDonald's and she went to school full time, but she also like had a car and like an apartment and like, sure, she had a roommate, but you know what I mean? Like it was doable. Yeah. You could, she, I'm not trying to diminish what she did because she worked her ass off and it's very admirable, but like, you can't just work full time and work your way through school at a fast food hell no job. Like that's not even possible. Nope. Nope. You could barely do that. Like even if you had a full time like real job to work full time, but then to also be able to support yourself plus to pay, you know, the thousands of dollars a year. Like, no, not possible. Never going to happen. Ooh, here's actually a really good topic for Labor Day. Yeah. I'm kind of segueing off of that is... So I've been reading a lot about, like, over the last couple of years, um, I get really into, like, futurist stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a lot of futurists who talk about and how this, there's a good chance that we're going to start seeing this crisis in our lifetime. Um, where the climate change? <laughs> well, no. The other, other crisis. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we, basically, is that as technology continues to increase and speed up and whatever. Yeah. Um, they're going to be increasing and yet the population is also rising. Um, there's going to be increasingly more people in on the planet who, I mean, some people estimate that by like 2040 or like 2050, that like half of the population of the planet will be unemployable. Oh my God. And so that like they won't, you know what I mean? Like we just won't, we won't have that many jobs and the jobs that we do have are going to be like, highly specialized and highly skilled building robots or something that a computer can't do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and that those jobs are going to continually dwindle but things like you know the service industry are going to be like the first thing to go because like fully automated at that point i mean honestly right now there's almost nothing we could easily make not easily but i mean we have all the technology right now to have a fully automated McDonald's. Yeah, you already can order your Taco Bell on your phone, your Chipotle on your phone, so you don't need someone to take your order. You know, checking out at the grocery store, you can do that by a computer. There's already so many places where, like, the basic sort of clerk person isn't even No, needed. once we have self-driving cars, you're not even, which we do, but, like, once they're, you know, more ubiquitous, prevalent. <laughs> um, I mean, you could have a, you could have basically a place, of, like, a restaurant where, like, from the warehouse all the way to the consumer, there's not a single person involved. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's all, that's not science fiction. Like, we have the, if somebody wanted to do that right now, like, we have the capability of doing that right now. I have an Amazon app on my phone. Like, it's been going on for quite some time now. Right. And it just drones that shit right to you. Yeah. Right. So, a lot of futurists are actually in favor of just a universal, like, like living wage that like everyone gets X amount of dollars right? kind of across the board. Let's just skip the dollars part and just go to like food, shelter and healthcare. <laughs> right. I mean, it's all fake anyways, right? The dollar right. Idea. But it's going to be interesting because if we, I think that's what I'm talking about is that like, it's so, it's actually really dangerous the way that we've stigmatized the poor and like stigmatized, 
you know, um, like people who work at fast food restaurants right. and that sort of thing. Because if we continue to look at them that way and to regard them that way, like what we're talking about is like a almost a mass genocide in our future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if those people no longer become employable, like, and we're not, and we don't see them as worthy of the basics of living, if we don't see them as worthy of that, then like what's going to happen to them? Right. You know what I mean? So like we're talking about like revolution, genocide, something like something is going to happen. And the best way to avoid it is to start valuing each person and valuing each contribution and valuing, you know, just human life as, as its own resource instead of not what it produces for us. Right. Yeah, I agree. And so that could start with the minimum wage increase. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Right. Only- just the recognition that everybody is deserving of yeah. at least the opportunity to support. to support themselves would be like a nice, a good step in the right direction. Yeah. Flipping burgers ain't easy. And especially if you get burned and you're supposed to fix it with mayo. Which is not what you're supposed to fix it. I don't think that's what... Do not do that. <laughs> I heard butter once upon a time. I think that's also wrong. I think... Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know how accurate or effective it ever was. It was just kind of the home fix of if you can't, you know, properly ice it, wash it, and bandage it, then you slap some sort of fat on it, and it's at least soothing, even though it's actually probably pretty bad for you. Yeah, yeah. Even even though it's introducing lots of bacteria and whatever. Yeah, I feel like lukewarm water and maybe a nice uh, neosporin could be the solution to a right. burn. Which you can't do if your McDonald's doesn't have a first aid fucking kit. Oh, Lord. It's terrible. No, and then what's crazy is that, like, then so who's supposed to work in these places if we're not going to provide a minimum wage? Then you have, like, what, teenagers are going to be working in there? And do you know how fucking angry all the white people are going to be when they, they're, their fucking order is never right because it's <laughs> being run by a bunch of 16-year-olds? Stupid-ass teenagers, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll get rid of the fast food, and then we won't have to have that anymore, and then we could just well, have... it wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, probably not. It is garbage. You shouldn't put it in your body, but... I still do it. I, I mean, will live and die by Swenson's. I don't care. Yeah, I know. It's so good. Although I am having it, the real... Uh, so McDonald's is now going to do the all-day breakfast Yeah, thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say, the McMuffin. Here's my issue, is that as a vegetarian, I actually, like, the McMuffin without the meat is actually a very bland little concoction. Oh, damn. Where it's at is the egg and cheese biscuit. Well, the biscuits oh, the, are... The biscuits are flaky. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But a sausage biscuit for a dollar. I'm sorry. Oh, That's see, just... does that come with an egg or no? No. Just sausage, biscuit, mm. and cheese? Not even the cheese. Oh, just wow. Just the sausage and the biscuit, but it's a mm. dollar and it's legit. Maybe they do the egg with the dollar. The for problem $1. is, and here's the sad part, is that the biscuits are not, are basically like not going to be available around here during the day. Just like the McMuffins and I think maybe the bagels, but only in the southern markets are they doing the biscuits. God damn it. Like, I'm mad. I'm mad about Why it. Why can't we get biscuits during the day? Because we don't, because apparently not enough people eat them. <gasps> That's messed up. My, my father's family originates from Virginia, so he's always fancied himself a Southern boy, despite the fact that he's never lived outside of Summit County. Well, <laughs> I guess I guess they do live half a mile into Stark County right now. <laughs> but, um, Woo South, <laughs> yeah. But he's always enjoyed Southern cuisine, so that's the kind of stuff I grew up on, and it's part of what I'm fighting against. But um, right. see, not me. I didn't grow up with biscuits and gravy and that kind of shit, and I didn't oh. like it. But I'm sorry, a McDonald's. Like the first time, I always did the McMuffin, always. But the first time somebody accidentally gave me the biscuit, 
Instead, my life was changed. Like, I was mad that no one had told me about this. <laughs> it's like someone moved a bookcase and you found a door that was back there the whole time. Right. And I was just like, how, is, how have I been wasting my life on McMuffins? How? At this house, we make biscuits and gravy, like, a couple times a month. Oh, and the best. here's why biscuits are so good. You start with some flour and then approximately two sticks of butter that mm-hmm. you cut into that flour. Yeah. Then really all you add after that is baking powder, salt, and like... You just get a bunch of vitamins, you roll them up into little... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like a little bit of milk. It's just, it's really just flour held together with butter is what it is. And that's why they're so fucking good. That is good. We have been doing a lot of It's Always Sunny references this weekend. I don't know what's going on. It's it's just an It's Always Sunny week. It really is. It has been. (laughs) We've been having a good weekend though. I'm glad you came down for the whole weekend, Jorge. Yeah, oh, I'm happy to be here. Celebrate Labor this Day with your home. friends. I I moved away because the drive up 77 was going to be intolerable. It's pretty particularly bad. during the winter. But I'm down here often enough. It's like I barely even left. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, and spending the full weekend, birthday celebrations, Labor Day, just yeah. fun. But you're taking Dave away now too. Yeah. Well, friends not, might remember I'm Dave. I'm not taking Dave away. But me being up there is making it a lot easier for him. Yeah. You guys might remember. We should have mentioned this. Dave, who was on, I don't even remember what number episode. Was he our first guest or was he after? Sarah was our first guest. He was our second guest. He's probably 10 or 12. Six or 11. Yeah. Sarah was like eight, though. Well, the episode's called Super Profound Thing. Yeah. But that was Dave. It's 11. Okay. It's the one that I still have downloaded on my phone. Jorge Aww. has them all on his phone. He's showing us right now. See, that's a super fan. Yeah, but Jorge and Dave are BFFs. Right. And they're like the male counterpart of Jess and I. Yeah, it's great. Pretty much. Yeah. It's it's good time. No, Steven even asked me today. He was like, he was like, so are you the Dave or are you the George? I was like, I'm George. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> we, we work this out. It yeah. helps that... It helps that Dave is a lawyer and so am I. So like, you know, that kind of helps in terms of deciding who's the Dave and who's the George. Right. I feel like George and I are like the slightly darker. A little more cynical, a little more yeah. hard ass. Yeah. The, the sort of darker counterpart. Yes. <laughs> and that's how the friendship works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, we, so we have a nice little, nice little quad. <laughs> it works well. Yeah. And it goes well with wine. It does. It does go well. It goes well with a lot of a lot of beverages. Yeah, a lot of beverages could be thrown in the mix there. Let's not be too exclusive here. Yeah. All right. I think we did it. I think we had a good episode. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around. We had some technical difficulties yesterday, and we've we've obviously solved those problems. We sure did. And now we're about to. What are we doing? We're gonna have Labor Day party. It's gonna be like a barbecue. I mean, like a- we don't actually have a grill, so no, but. But along those like lines. Like a Foreman Grill barbecue, but we've got various other things to enjoy. Yeah. yeah we're going to party for it's Labor Day. It's a classier Day. version of your typical expectation for a Labor That's Day right. cookout. Yes. Because we have classy wine to go with it. Absolutely. We're just classy folks. That's I mean. true. Yep. Happy Wines Day. Happy Wines Day. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, everybody.